Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wastor. I am your host and this is my podcast. And my guest today is Janelle Nelson. So Janelle is a licensed marriage and family therapist and she's an expert in EMDR therapy. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And when you do this form of therapy, uh, EMDR uses rhythmic eye movements. And uh, listen, she'll explain it better when I throw us over to the actual conversation. But EMDR uses these rhythmic eye movements to lessen the power of past traumatic events. I had my own EMDR session. I was blown away. I can't believe it. I mean, I've tried every kind of modality you can possibly try to, you know, deal with my upbringing or daddy issues or past trauma or yakety schmackety. And this form of therapy just works so quickly and you go so deep, so incredibly quickly. So I'm so glad I got to talk to Janelle. She, uh, she's based out of Carlsbad, California. And if you want to make an appointment, if you, you know, are going to be there or, uh, you know, I want to work with her all the time. She's great, but I live in Hollywood, so it's uh, it's irritating. I gotta, I gotta do a road trip to get as much EMDR um, therapy as possible. I'm not even kidding. I'm kind of addicted because uh, the feeling post the session was profound. Anyway, find her. Uh, you can go to her website, which is JN Counseling. You can also. Uh, jncounseling.com. I mean, do I have to say .com? I really should have. I don't know why I didn't. That was a little bit embarrassing. Uh, I'm just glad I... I used to say uh, her website is www.jncounseling.com, but uh, now I don't I don't uh, attack on the www. Anyway, you can also find her on Instagram at jncounseling. And uh, yeah, how is everybody? Um, I'm going to give you a little update about my life for just a moment. It's my birthday tomorrow. I'm very excited. Um, you know, finally going to be 29 and a half. Can't wait. How many times can I be 29? How many years in a row can I be 29? I'm going to try to push it. I'm proud of my age, but I don't want to talk about it anyway. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Exactly. I just want to be happy, relaxed, mellow, not stressed out. And, uh, yeah, is that too much to ask on a birthday? on a girl's birthday. So my birthday's on February 11th and then uh, Valentine's Day quickly approaches, uh, you know, February 14th. So when you date me, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Uh, my poor boyfriend, you know, February 11th and the 14th, two separate events. You can't lump them both into one thing. That's like kids whose birthday falls on like New Year's Eve or no, on like Christmas or whatever, or New Year's Eve. It's like, and the parents try to make everything in one fell swoop, uh, you know, celebrating Christmas and the birthday all in one. No, that's traumatizing. That's, uh, that's not that traumatizing. But anyway, so I don't know what we're going to do on my birthday. He has a surprise plan for me. Uh, best boyfriend in the world. Can't believe it. Have no idea what we're going to do. And then uh, I'm excited about Valentine's Day, even though I know it's a bogus bullshit holiday, but I'm excited about it because, uh, and by the way, I'm a little bit under the weather today. I'm uh, sick. I threw up for the first time in many years. I I don't need to tell you this, but I'm going to because I want us to feel like we're very close and we're best friends. And in a way, you guys are my best friends. I'm not even kidding. Uh, I share more with you than uh, people who think 
uh, they know everything about me, but they don't listen to my podcast. And this is where all the real stuff comes out. So anyway, I vomited uh, for the first time. Oh God, maybe in two years, maybe longer. Oh my God. So I just, oof, I'm not feeling great right now. Um, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend vomiting. Uh, I ate something poisonous and I threw up and, uh, man, that is the worst. It really does a number on your body where you're like cold and quivering and shaking and the, ugh, ugh. I want to say the word bile, but you guys are better than that. And I don't want to make you guys feel sick. Don't turn this off. Don't turn the podcast off. Let me just power through this sickly attempt at a podcast intro. Um, and, uh, try not to embarrass myself, try not to irritate you or make you feel like you're going to vomit as well. Um, oh God. And my throat, my throat was sore this morning because, uh, because of the throwing up, because the, of the, the acid in my throat, ugh, disgusting nightmare. I woke up, I had like, I, I, I didn't wash my mascara off. I, it was just like too much was going on. I was just like, ugh. So, uh, I woke up and I looked like some kind of like, uh, I, who's that guy? I look like a Tim Burton character. That's what I look like, which is like this, like, mascara running down my face it was like it's actually very cool it's very kind of like a effortlessly goth uh way to wake up in the morning anyway um so yeah valentine's day i'm excited because i get to uh it shouldn't be one-sided you know if, if you're in a relationship uh oftentimes i've been selfish in the past and i've just thought oh it's uh the boyfriend has to do something for me but you know what my person does enough. He does so many nice things. So I'm excited to have an opportunity to do something loving and romantic for him. But what? I don't know. I think I'm going to write him like a really intense letter uh, professing my love and about all my deep feelings for him. And maybe I'll buy him roses. But is that like exactly what a man doesn't want? Well, too late. That's what I'm going to do. I've decided just now. Um, Yeah. So, uh, and I know, yes, Valentine's Day hallmark made up bullshit holiday but i love it and you know why i love it because if if you even know anything about me if you've met me one time if if you listen to even like uh, an inkling of this podcast you know that i'm i'm obsessed i am i am i'm obsessed with love dating relationships sex feelings just you know romance 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 so uh, I, I buy into this bullshit holiday because I, and I also like the colors pink, pink and red, white, the absence of color. I, I enjoy the, that color palette and, uh, you know, any excuse to uh, give people flowers, receive flowers, see those colors. I love, uh, you know, sh- I love hearts. That's a fantastic shape. It's one of my faves, hearts. So I'm just into it. How dare you? Um... So yeah, on another note, uh, I'm weaning off antidepressants. I, uh, I've talked about this before on the show. I was taking a 25 milligram dose of Zoloft, which uh, in the Zoloft community, uh, Zoloft, that's, a, that's the lowest dose of Zoloft you can be on. And uh, yeah, I tried it for like what, three or four months. And I, nothing, nothing's happening. I thought I, at first I felt like I was doing much better. It was really nice to the, the idea of like taking a pill being like, this could change everything. And you know what? I think maybe it did. And, and, and it gave me some hope that maybe I wouldn't be so moody and, or stressful. It's more that I'm anxiety ridden and I get stressed very easily. And I've kind of like OCD and just, you know, my brain's always going. Isn't that, is that not apparent? Uh, 
So, but I tried it and then I just think I hit my limit and I didn't want to increase the dose. I really don't think it was doing anything anymore. Um, and I'm happy with that. I'm doing it and I'm tapering off it. I'm doing it very slowly because that's the way you're supposed to do it. A lot of people I, I've talked to will be on antidepressants and they'll just try to go off them cold turkey like a bonehead. What are you doing? Doctors exist because I've, they, they tell you how to get get off the things in the, in the correct way. You can't do that. I had a friend who did that with Effexor, another antidepressant. And this is the first time I'd ever been on any one of these kind of pills. Like I've, I've never been on antidepressants in my life. I was very anti-antidepressants, but then I got to a point where I was like so moody and in such despair that I was like, fuck it. If I feel this low, uh, I'm over my uh, judgment of, of these uh, happy pills or whatever. Anyway, but yeah, I had a friend who was taking Effexor and he just decided, oh, I'm not going to listen to my doctor. I'm not going to listen uh, and, and uh, take his advice on how to get off of them the correct way. Uh, I'm just going to go off from cold turkey. And my friend who decided to do this, I mean, we're not even friends anymore because uh, I can't believe he uh, lives his life like this. No, he drove off like the side of a cliff. He lived, but like what happened was it was like all of a sudden he said he described it as it was as if somebody... Uh, pulled like uh it's like somebody disconnected a television and everything just went like just zapped in his brain it looked like this just staticky and just everything went out and he just was out of his mind and drove off this happened while he was driving drove off the side of a cliff he had to be institutionalized yeah don't fuck around with these weird pills you know if you're gonna go on them uh, go on and off them the correct way so yeah so i'm in the process of weaning off and that's uh, the way i was told to do that is like take one pill every other day for two weeks, and then you take half a pill every other day for two weeks, and then and then you're golden. I hope. So I hope, I hope I don't have any weird side effects. I will definitely keep you posted on that. And uh, I'm not going to try to go on some journey to find out if another pill like Prozac or blah 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 would be better for me. I'm just not interested. I don't want to do that. A lot of people do that. You know, it's like oh, you, one thing doesn't work. Try another thing. But you know what I realized? I'm okay. Well, I'll see how I feel. Who knows what's going to happen, really? I mean, I can't predict the future. But um, I think for me, what causes extreme uh, discomfort in my soul, in my system, in my body, in my mind, is uh, it's always having to do with relationships. It's not with work. It's not with friendships. What affects me and makes me very dark and moody is you know all my abandonment issues and oh my god that's exactly what we talk about during this emdr uh conversation about emdr with janelle and post a session because she gave me a, a lovely session before we started recording the convo um so all my darkness and trauma and and uh weirdness for lack of a better word i am sick. I didn't mention I was vomiting earlier today. Uh, comes from fear in relationships and trusting people and being afraid they're going to leave me and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, kind of losing myself and uh, to a relationship or spiraling over a relationship. So I've now been in my relationship for a year, about a year and something shifted in me where I just feel a lot calmer about it. And I feel you know, I remember who I am and I've got my own identity. I mean, I never stopped having my identity, but, uh, but I just feel a lot more like secure and, uh, and less anxious. So, and it, all, all that really, the way I got here, I think it's just because of time. 
like seeing that the same person would stay and like show up for me and be dependable and like not leave. So it's like makes me go, oh, oh, he really does love me. Oh, maybe I can breathe. And, uh, you know, anyway, and so, uh, so I'm not, I'm not trying to go on another thing because I feel like the root problem, uh, I have, I have an awareness of it and I feel a lot calmer. So anyway, but I did find out, um, if I were to go on a journey of like, oh, I'll try Prozac now. Did that work? No. Okay. I'll try Lexapro now. Uh, turns out, and my the psychiatrist I went to to because uh, I, I originally I would only go to a psychologist who you know psychologists can't prescribe medication. Um, so he referred me to a psychiatrist because they can prescribe medication. So, um, and the psychiatrist suggested Zoloft, but turns out there's a genetic test. I just read an article in Time Magazine. There's a, a genetic test that helps you predict uh, what the right antidepressant is for you. So it's like it involves your saliva. They do a swab of your mouth, I think. I don't know what they do. But do you know how much time and trouble that would save you? Because it it tells you what antidepressants your body can't metabolize. Because oftentimes, like, oh, Prozac might work for one person, but not for another because their body can't metabolize it. You know, same with Zoloft or what have you or any of these things. So, I mean... Why didn't my psychiatrist do that? I don't even think he knows about this genetic test because he's he's older. But uh, um, so definitely, if I ever do decide to go back on medication, and just so you guys know, if anybody out there listening, you people, whoever you are, wherever you are, there's a genetic test. Ask your doctor, ask your psychiatrist if you're considering going into depressants. This could save you a lot of time and trouble to eliminate what won't work for you and uh, get closer to the things that might be good for you uh, more quickly. Anyway. So, yes. Um, what else do I want to tell you? I do want to tell you all the pertinent podcast info. If you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, and I hope you do, uh, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. When you rate the show and leave a comment on Insta- on, uh, on, on iTunes, on iTunes um, that helps me grow the show. That is, it just uh, helps me more than you know. So uh, that might take you four seconds. I would love for you to do that. You can do that for my birthday. That could be your birthday present to me in the show. Um, and uh, also, the Love Alexi podcast is an independent, listener-supported podcast. So if you would like to donate to the show, I would love that. That would be greatly appreciated. You can donate to the show via Venmo at Alexi Wasser. Um, I would love for you to send emails. If you ever want to email me, send your emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. Also, if we're not friends already on Instagram, that's fucking crazy. Let's be friends on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. And uh, I want to leave you with this. Okay. I had, uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll think to myself, oh, you know, uh, I think more deeply about love and dating and feelings and anxiety and darkness and trauma and self-help stuff than my boyfriend does. And that makes, I mean, he just, he couldn't possibly like, you know, understand all the weird whimsical feelings that go on in my soul and my, in my mind. Uh, And then he'll just say the most profound thing that floors me. And he's constantly doing this. And I, and it's just like, oh my God, he's like this, calm, meditative Buddha. Uh, 
And I, you know, and I think I'm so deep trying to search for and find all the answers, just constantly searching for, for answers and what it all means and the meaning of life and love and all this and that. And uh, I just get more confused by the day or, uh, or just suffer more than necessary, you know, not all the time, just sometimes. And then I look over at him and he'll just, yeah, he'll just say something profound and hear something profound that he said uh, earlier this week. So we were having a lovely conversation and, a, and I said something classic, classic me. We weren't fighting, just a nice conversation. And I said, hey, who do you think loves who more in this relationship? You know, just a question that men love, a, a question that nobody would like. It just, it stems from insecurity. It's like just based, it's like, why do I have to ask this question? But you know what? I, I wanted to, I really wanted to know. I asked it. Yeah, who do you think loves each other who? Who loves who more in this relationship? And my boyfriend's like, it's equal. I, I, you know, we love each other equally. I really do believe that. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. Every self-help book and every girlfriend of mine and every woman I've ever talked to said that, uh, that one person in the relationship always loves the other more. There's always one person in a relationship who loves the other, other person more. It's just that's how it is. And he was like, well, I don't know who your fucked up friends are and what dumb books you're reading are, but that is not true. That's not true. I really do think we love each other equally. And I'm like, oh my God, equally? I can't believe that. I don't want to be, no, I don't want to be in a relationship where you don't love me more. I want the man to love me more. And he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one who loves you more. And then I'm like the, the loser in the relationship loving you more. And like, and, uh. And I was like, well, how could, how can we love each other equally? Because you've, you've referred to me as needy. You've said that I've, I, that I'm, I've been needy and that I can be needy. And then my boyfriend goes, just because you can be needy sometime does, sometimes doesn't mean we don't love each other equally. It just means you love you less. Did you hear that? It just, it, it just means you love you less. And I was floored because he's right. And I do believe that we love each other equally. I truly do. And, and the fact that I can be on a phone call and we're having this sweet conversation where he's not being, he's not even irritated. And I'm just like, I want you to love me more. Who loves each other more? And we're like, we do love each other equally. It's sweet. Uh, and I feel that way in my bones. I know that to be true. But it's, I also, oh my God, when he said that, I was like, oh, fuck. He can see me. It's the truth. I know that's the truth because I feel that when I am needy, it isn't because I don't believe that he loves me. Uh, it's just because I'm giving my power away and I'm uh, being insecure and I don't, I'm not loving me. I'm not seeing my worth. It is me. Or if I'm not believing that he loves me, it's because that's my problem. He does love me as much as I love him. I just freak out and panic and implode and doubt stuff and doubt myself and doubt that it couldn't be true. But that's on me, not him. And then he said that and I was like, wow, this is incredible. I can't believe it. That's so right. Anyway, I'm going to do the rest of the podcast like this. Um, today's episode of the Love Alexi podcast is brought to you by Cutwater Spirits. I hope I'm pronouncing the name of that brand properly. Cut Water Spirits is available 
my margarita beverage in a can, in a very hip, trendy, sexy can. Another pre-mixed beverage in a can by Gutwater Spirits is a Moscow Mule. They make a vodka-based Moscow Mule, as well as Bloody Mary drinks in a can. So thank you again for sponsoring today's episode of the Love Alexi podcast, Cutwater Spirits. Everybody out there, if you do drink and decide to partake in an alcoholic beverage, run, don't walk to Trader Joe's to pick up some of these bad boys. Thank you. Oh my God. Is that ASMR? I said on my Instagram the other day, I was going to do, uh, I was going to, uh, shout out the sponsors of the show, uh, ASMR styles. So I hope that was cool and sexy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go throw up again. Um, but yeah, you've heard all the info. Please enjoy my deep, real, raw, honest, incredible conversation I have with licensed marriage and family therapist, an expert in EMDR therapy based out of Carlsbad, California, Janelle Nelson. So <clears throat> we just had an EMDR session. Mm-hmm. Um, will you explain to my listeners what is EMDR and, and how do I describe you? You're, is it a... I'm a licensed marriage and fam- family therapist. Oh, yeah. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. A licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. And is EMDR, what does that stand for? And is that, that's a form of psychotherapy? Yeah. So EMDR is, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, but EMDR is a specialty of mine. It's what I've been trained in. And um, it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, I know well, it's a unpa- lot. <laughs> unpack that because you guys, I we, what we did today, Janelle and I did this thing where she was so lovely you we had a session you yeah. like gave me this like luxurious experience of like me being able to have my first EMDR session in my entire life so I could just know what we're talking about yeah so now we're podcasting this conversation is like post the EMDR session mm-hmm. and so yeah to like go back to like you're asking me how, was, how I'm feeling and I just feel like I was already emotional when you came through my door yeah I'm going through my own life stuff and trying to grow and transform in my life and in my relationship and work through all my trauma. So I was already like kind of like tender when you got here, yeah. which I think is kind of perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was already tapped into whatever mm-hmm. emotions. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, and we'll tell my listeners what we did. Yeah. I feel, I feel light, but I also feel like, uh, you know, like that post crying thing where you're just mm-hmm. like I'm tired, <sighs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, just like really raw, mm-hmm. like really raw and spent, but also lighter. Yeah. And uh, and then a part of me is like, I hope I need to do more of this and I want to work through mm-hmm. every traumatic experience and, <laughs> and I just want to be healthy. But okay, so what, I mean, I want to know like how you got into this, all sure. that, but what, what do we do? Like what is... What is EMDR? An EMDR session. Like what do you do? Every, tell me everything. Yeah. 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 So um, EMDR... Um, well, actually, maybe I'll explain what it does and then Please. how it works. So um, basically, when we go through, basically, when we go through any traumatic event, and I'm going to use the word trauma really lightly, or not really lightly, but really um, loosely, I think would be the better word. So like there's some um, trauma, which is like just incredibly intense and devastating 
Um, and then there's, I'm going to use the word trauma for something really maybe mild or light that's happened. Um, so anything that really registers as pain or shame could be considered trauma, um, but not everybody has PTSD. So, but EMDR can work from like this real small minor events to really big significant events. Um, so um, basically, um, when we go through a trauma, our brain um, will always pair it with a negative belief about ourselves. So any trauma we go through, our brain pairs it with a negative belief about ourselves. And when we process any information, <clears throat> I like to think of it as our brain downloads something. So I'm going to use an example. Like if, if you and I heard a loud uh, noise outside our brains, we'd go, wait, what was that? Was, are we okay? And our brains would kind of take it to the both hemispheres of the brain back and forth and just kind of digest it and download it. And we're like, okay, we're totally fine. Yeah. Well, when trauma happens to us, it's almost like the file's too large to download and it just doesn't digest and it doesn't process. And then it gets paired with that negative belief about ourselves. So when that stays in there, um, we end up projecting out of our trauma beliefs. So if you've heard the expression, you see the world through rose-colored lenses, we really actually see it through our trauma lenses. So, um, and especially the ones in early childhood. So <clears throat> if we had something happen to us in early childhood or maybe it's an attachment um, trauma and we have... Um, I mean, you could pick anything from like an alcoholic parent or a workaholic parent, or let's say you were bullied. Let's say, for example, you were bullied, um, and it that your brain paired it with um, it could be a belief of I'm not good enough, or um, it could be I did something wrong, or I can't trust anyone, or I felt powerless. I mean, you could do. I mean, any person could register with something like that, and then you then project. You then you see. You, you know, you literally see through that lens of that negative belief. Um, which is so sad, you know? And so why, that's why um, kind of being aware and cleaning up those um, tra that our, our trauma is so significant so we can then project out of a different space. So I have a question about attracting people who <clears throat> gravitate towards people who see the world a kind of like a certain way. Like let's say I think I'm not good enough or I'm a victim or mm -hmm. I'm... Uh, validated by having sex with a man or something mm -hmm. or being whatever yeah. attractive or desirable to a man will I attract a type of person who I'm like uh, who goes for that or is it possible that, I, that if I believe that about myself I will see someone who doesn't intend have that intention at all with me mm -hmm. will I just see them through that lens and it's just me having this false interpretation of another person because I get confused with like law of attraction and people come together of like, yeah. you know, like, well, let's say, let's use the example of like, let's say you have like a little seventh grade girl. Okay. And she's going to school. She's about to go to school. So the girl that has like a really good sense of self-worth and doesn't have a lot of like um, trauma in her background. She goes to school. She's like, yay, I'm going to meet all these friends. Everybody's going to love me. <laughs> she, yeah. she shows up with that. And that for her is going to, even if someone doesn't like her, she's going to bounce. That's going to flow right off her. She's going to find her. It's going to be a lot easier for her versus the girl that has a lot of trauma and I, no one likes me. I'm not good enough. And 
she's she's already going in kind of um, really with a sign on her, her forehead, you know, that says, I'm not good enough. Oh, and, my God. Right, yeah. right. And then she's got a rougher time. She's going to take things... Um, she's going to internalize different experiences, you know, those experiences differently than the one that doesn't. Oh my God. I'm the mm-hmm. latter girl. I'm the other. Oh, oh God. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we all, yeah. Well, so, and then, so we all, I want to say this yeah. to you. It's like, I've never met a person that didn't have any trauma. Oh, really? Uh, no. Because we I, all have, we, every single one. I mean, everybody. I mean, I've never met a person that didn't experience any pain or shame. We, pain and shame, but but mm-hmm. but it's uh, to varying degrees, like to yeah. like somebody might Yeah, die. absolutely. There's more, some that have, you know, um, that are, you know, adult, a, a different deck of cards, it's a lot more significant, but... Even in the people that have the most, you know, healthy upbringings, like I don't know who's not experienced some sort of pain or shame. But not everybody addresses it. No. And also, oh, here's something I get really confused about. I would say, oh, my intuition is is making me feel a certain way. Uh, I would get my intuition confused with the lens in which I'm seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Does that ever happen? Have you ever heard of that before? Oh, you guys, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I... And I feel like I'm learning, while I do have wonderful intuition, yeah. some of the time, yeah. I, I easily get my, hmm. my grounded intuition uh, yeah. confused when it's uh, for, for me just yeah, seeing the world as like being raised by a misogynist father and see, yeah. seeing women a certain way, therefore seeing myself right. a certain way. Men hate women. I'm not good enough. I'm an outsider, blah, blah, all these like, mm-hmm. um, is that like shadow work too in a way? Like that's, Absolutely. So... So what happens in uh, an EMDR session? Like, uh, what do we just do? Because I, I was sitting with you. Yeah. So everybody, I mean, with the client, I, so everybody's a little bit different. I mean, some people come and just, they're like, I was in a car accident and I want to deal with this car accident. Or I had this one, you know, big specific trauma. Yeah. Tell me if it and, gets too hot in here too. I just oh, turn on the yeah. heater. Is it boiling? No, no, no. no. I'm okay. totally good. You I'm tell totally me the minute good. it gets boiling. Okay, keep <laughs> I'm going. I'm totally good. Um, but yeah, some people come in for just like a really specific one incident kind of trauma. And then there's other people who um, we might, you know, work together and then really get familiar with our history and do more like attachment trauma work where there's there might be incidences where let's say they're mom was an alcoholic and they have hundreds of memories of that, you know, um, or, you know, so we're, it's not like one specific thing that happened a lot of different times. So we're kind of working through that a little bit differently. Um, so you can do it. So like long, short answer, you can do it really specific one-time things, or you can do a lot of, um, really deep work with it, kind of working through more of like, bigger stories or attachment kind of uh, wounding in your life. Oh my God. And I loved how like we started and, yeah. and you're like, cause originally uh, Janelle and I talked on the phone and we we're talking about like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I should make like a trauma timeline yeah. of like all the traumatic things in my life. And I was just like, oh my God, so many things have happened in my life. Yeah. All pretty much daddy issues or parental stuff or feelings yeah. of abandonment. But there are so many things that I think I have an awareness of that I do have an awareness of. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, if I have an awareness of it, it's no longer heavy because it's like, whatever, I've told my story so many times on so many sure. first dates or in relationships or yeah. to my therapist and talk therapy, blah, blah. So it's like, whatever, I know my stuff. Who mm-hmm. cares? It pro- I mean, how can we really get deeper? I know the stuff. But then also, oh shit, I have so much stuff. Where do we 
like, yeah. which one do I choose? Like, uh, and it was funny. I like, I liked, what was it? What wasn't funny. I just call everything funny. But, uh, yeah. when I was like, well, here are all these things that happened. And you're like, oh my God, those are all tens. Let's start with something <laughs> not so intense, not, not as to high level. Uh, so we, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what my point is here, but it's, uh, yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. It's like, it's, uh, I don't even know where to begin or to dive in and like, and how long, I mean, oh, Mm-hmm. I don't even know what my question. I still want to know what happens in a session, but I also want to know. Um, I want to know why this works so much faster. Because what are the various forms of yeah. therapy? And totally. Well, I think like there's just you know, people I say think this healing is like very much like layers of an onion. You know, you're just peeling layers of onion. So sometimes like it's that somebody, let's say, was like they're you know, first layer is just like telling someone and you coming out into the light and saying, this is what's happened. And that's such a profound experience when someone for the first time shares with a safe person, you know, what that trauma was. That that alone is just immensely, can, can be immensely healing and, and de-shaming, right? And then um, talking and processing through that can be really helpful. And I, so I think it's like, to your point, it's like, you're, you're aware, you, you know that you have these different woundings from your dad. And I think, um, and that's all really good. So you've got some layers of your onion off already. Oh, thank God. You know? Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think with, with EMDR, it just takes it a lot deeper. And what I like to say is it moves something from being head knowledge to heart knowledge. So I love that. Yeah. So like, for example, we could think of an incident that happened and we could think, um, you know, I'm not good enough and we could, no, no, I am good enough. Um, but we don't feel it in our heart. And what I like to say, yeah, is that EMDR then just takes it from not just knowing it, but we really go, no, I am good enough. Like I really am. And <laughs> you feel it in yeah. your heart, Yeah. you know? And so it just gives like a deeper, like just a deeper level to, to healing. And how did you even get into this? Like how, where did you hear yeah, about EMDR? Yeah. And like, you're so, like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. So, um, so when I was in, gosh, I think I was in grad school at the time. So I was re- really early in my twenties and I was in grad school and I was doing a, my internship. I was actually at a drug and alcohol rehab center for women. How come? What um, about you there? I was there. Well, you have to do an internship to, to get, to, you know, to get your master's and to get, you know, that's part of the. In, in order to get your master's, you have to do this internship. So I picked this drug and alcohol rehab center. And, you know, basically what I saw there is just, just I mean, it's just like dev- devastating, devastating trauma. I mean, just women that didn't have, that were just on drugs for so long, they didn't have any teeth. It was just so, so sad. And this, the, it was just truly just like horror stories that I was hearing, just deep, deep horror stories. And... um I think I I just was like, it went so deep and there needed to be something to help them quicker, you know, because it was so raw and they're, you know, just to, it just is like, there's so much pain to be able to hold space for that it's like they needed something quicker to kind of move some of that pain out of them to give them a little bit more resiliency. So at the time, my supervisor um, had gotten trained in it and he started to kind of do some, uh, you know, demonstrations and talking about it. And I was like, what is this thing? This is wild that it works that freaking fast. Like 
That's un- that's unbelievable. When you say it works fast, how did you know it was relieving people's trauma, or or what would you refer to it <laughs> yeah. as? It was a, a was people were working through their trauma. Oh yeah, so quickly. How, I mean, just because I think um, I think we sat in on some sessions back then. Um, or maybe we watched some sessions, but I literally watched someone come in and they said, okay, you have to rate, you know, you do EMDR, you have to rate the trauma scale of zero to 10. So they'd come in at a 10 and then hour and a half later, it would be a zero. Like nothing bothered them in an hour and a half. (laughs) So I was like, what is this magic? You know, I mean, it just was like, this is incredible. You know, what's so interesting. Yeah. my mom, I'm not a Scientologist. I'm yeah. not trying to talk shit about Scientologists, sure, sure. but I'm a spiritual person. I'm into, yeah. but I remember my mom and I lived in the area of a Scientology building when we were very, when I was very little. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom was trying to get custody of me. My, my, my dad was making it very hard for her and she was crying all the time. Yeah. She was very vulnerable and the Scientology people put like a thing on her doorstep, hmm. free, get over your whatever. Yeah. So she did go to a session. Mm. Now she regrets because they wouldn't get off her case. But she went to a session and a session for her was her telling her story over and over and over and over and over again until it had no power over her anymore. Yeah. So that's kind of, it's interesting. This is not that, you guys. This is EMDR no. is not Scientology, but it's interesting how it's a, it's a tiny bit of proof where it's like... Uh, you can eliminate the power something has over you by yeah. like acknowledging it, going deep into mm-hmm. it, saying it over and over until you remove the power. It's like the yeah. scene in Labyrinth, at the end of Labyrinth, when she goes, yeah. you have no power over me. Right. Anyway, but okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm getting too silly on the podcast. But no, uh, no, no, no. But, That's a good thing. I mean, there is, there's different studies, of, you know, and there's different trauma theories about like exposure, just like be in front of the stimuli that is trauma, traumatic for you. Oh, and then God. Be, there's all these different things where it's like, oh my gosh, like to me, it's like, no. You no. Just, you you want to see, because with EMDR, you're sitting with the intensity of your pain pretty quickly you know it's like you sit with it and then it just pretty quickly you you're moving you're you're you're, again your brain's just digesting it from the bilateral stimulation back and forth to to really it's digested through and so it's you're not you're not sitting in pain for a long time you don't have to tolerate that intensity and you told me that if a brain scan, they've done brain scans yeah. of people. Yeah, like the before and after. And you can literally see, you know, it physically move. I mean, you can see... The trauma this, move? Yes. You can see from like PTSD brains before and after and the emotional. I mean, you could probably just Google an image um, for those listening, but it's pretty fascinating just to see the before and after brain scans of where the kind of, I think it's like more of the, where the emotional centers in the brain are lit up from the trauma. The emotional centers are lit up from the trauma. Do they yeah. make you imagine the time and you can see it lit up and then yeah. after the scan is... They, they yeah, refer- that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's, but it's, it's wild where you can really see it, you know, move out. Well, you can, so you're at your internship and you're seeing all these yes. women, all this pain and... Your supervisors? Uh, yes, and I'm wanting to help. You know, I'm just sitting. I'm just so sad and for these women, and I just wanted to help, and I wanted to help them quick. You know, I, they needed something a little bit more tangible. And talk you know, therapy, for instance? Yes. Talk, why is talk therapy so slow? It just You can only get to a certain point, I feel like. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, I think... To be fair, I think diff- different people need different things, and there is something so incredibly healing about a long-term therapeutic relationship um, that just alone, I mean, just that healing, that experience of a healing relationship 
um, does, I'm sure it impacts the brain too and the way you show up in the world. So I think it is beautiful. I think it's incredible, but I do love these, this tool, you know, to really, um, I like both, you know, I think there's benefits to, to both, but I love being able to integrate where I see somebody stuck or blocked or where they're like, okay, I know I, you know, they might have the, the, I, you know, I am good enough, but it's like they can know it, but again, they're, it's not in their heart and it really does help to move it to their heart a little, like a lot quicker. And, and we'll get back to your story, but mm-hmm. it's like, but I just want to know, cause I know people are like, but what happens in a session? What happens? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, cause when you took out this, uh, what, what do you call this tool here? Yeah. Oh, so that's the, there's a bunch of different ones, but that's my light bar, um, a light bar. So, mm-hmm. and the light bar is and always, it has, oh, yeah. yeah, it's a light bar. And then I also have the pulsers too. So you um, hold on to these two pulsing mm-hmm. device things. Yeah. These two things that pulse, one in each palm. And then there's a light bar that you're just following with your eyes. You're following with your eyes. Mm-hmm. And because I just want to break this down for people. Yeah. I know people are listening who are like, <laughs> like what? they're like, I want the results, but what, what does it what do? What is this? What, what is do you it? do? Uh, yeah. You know, so, you know, there is a video. Um, I do have a video, I think on my Instagram of, of, of the actual light bar that somebody could like see and look, look at it. It's um, JN counseling. Um, on Instagram, but I do have a, a picture of the light bar and the pulsers and someone following it. If it, just to demystify it a little bit yeah. too. Well, then yeah. too, and then the session have so you say, I, let's say you know. So I sit down yeah. with you. Yep. And let's just unpack it, unfold. So it, yeah. So typically ahead. before you know, if like I'm working with someone, we we're, we're like, okay, we can just completely see the trigger and. Uh, or they come in with something specific, or let's say there's something triggering in their life that happened, we can kind of float back um, to see, okay, where did they pick up that negative belief and trauma? And we usually do work on the, you say uh, with EMDR, you want to do it on the first or the worst. So a lot of times you can, like if something is triggering you in your current life, a boss or whatever. We can even use my life if you want. Sure. And we didn't yeah. work on these things particularly. Yeah. This, my life seems to all be tied together to my father, yeah, yeah, yeah. weirdly, yeah. but... Uh, Okay, so if you're like the first of the worst would be like so the, my first trauma. So let's say you've got like all the way back. Tra- so like let's say you're triggered with something right now with the boyfriend. Yep, and me being very protective and in fear, trying to protect myself yes. because I can't trust. Totally right. Yep, and so we we would boil that down. We so there's a whole exercise then to go to kind of get activated and what the trigger is currently. The current trigger mm-hmm. is, what was my current trigger I told well, the, you? Yeah, I mean, just the, the tension with your boyfriend. So that's the current trigger. Right. It's me being controlling, fearful, yeah. not trusting. Yep. And that's because I need to protect myself because I just can't accept Right, that's your love. wound. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's your wound. And so it's like, it's obvious that those are all defense mechanisms, which comes from a wound. And so there's a way then where I would then ask, yeah, I'd have you get really specific to that trigger and sit in it and I'd walk you through it where you'd let your mind float back, you know, to an earlier time where you felt that way before. Where I felt like I couldn't trust people. Yes. And your mind would take you exactly to where your wounding is. It just would take me. My mind would trust and you go there. Yeah. So there's a whole kind of process where I, and then we'd probably do it again to see kind of like which wounds are really activating this current situation. And we would do the, the EMDR on that earlier wound. So if there was like an earlier let's say it took you back to an earlier abandonment wound, you know, we would do it on that. So because that's mine. Fear of abandonment. Yeah. Like that's what, so you'd float me back mm-hmm. and you said first or worst. So there could be like the first thing I remember ever 
but something yeah. worse could have happened like yeah. in the past 10 years or, or later on in my childhood. Yeah. And you would choose. But the funny thing is we didn't do that today because they're all 10. So that was so... Yeah, I was like, well, no, I, no, I, no. I, I, go, I go hard with my trauma. Yeah. They're <laughs> <laughs> all 10s, baby. But uh, yeah, so... And okay, so you'd find the thing. We'd have a little chat. You'd walk yep. me, float me back, mm-hmm. find the thing. Go, okay, we're going to work on that because... Yep. That's the that's the trigger. Worse than the trigger. Yeah, that's the trigger. That's where you're getting that negative belief, that pro- projection from. And so then um, the actual like technical part of doing EMDR is that so we'd know like, okay, next session you're coming in for EMDR and we're going to tackle this specific thing. And then when you come in, you know, it would be basically I'm, I'm going through just like we did, you know, like a list of questions to get really in touch with the trauma. So like an image... I have an, a, a, yeah. a visual image in my brain yep. of, of the past trauma. Yep. I'm and just then spelling it out for my Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. And then there's figuring out what the negative belief is. So, and there's all these different. Oh, go see. grab it. Yeah. yeah there's and a whole different. Like, I'm not good enough. I can't trust people. Yep. It's there's, a whole long list. There's a whole long list. Whoa. So, so yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not a, lovable. I'm not good enough. I've done something wrong. I can't trust anyone. I'm, I'm powerless. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I deserve only bad things. I am permanently damaged. I am ugly. My body is hateful. I do not. Oh my God. Just so many things. <laughs> These are all the negative connotations that went along mm-hmm. with that, tr- mm-hmm. the imagery of that trauma. That's the belief system you mm-hmm. instilled in yourself. When yeah. That and there's all these different categories of negative beliefs. So oh, like, oh yeah. Power. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, different categories. Yeah. Responsibility, so like I, defectiveness, mm-hmm. responsibility, action, safety, and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I cannot trust anyone. I cannot protect myself. Oh, Oh God, power and control. That's me too. I am not in control. I am powerless. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I cannot be trusted. Oh, so I could actually be like, I'm a sinister person and believe that. Like I'm a, de- mm-hmm. oh my God. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So yeah, that's a lot more. Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. So then we figure out what the we belief system. We figure that it, out that part. We figure out what the positive then belief is. Oh. So the positive, you know, being like, I am good enough. I did the best I could. Um, I can choose who to trust with, for somebody that doesn't, not trusting anyone. I can choose who to trust. I can choose how to trust. Mm-hmm. Or if like, if it's like I'm powerless, helpless, it's like I now have choices. So um, we figure out what the positive belief is. And then there's a number of questions to get, like um, touch with the emotions. You have to rate the trauma on a scale of zero to 10. And then the last one was just so interesting to me is like, where do you feel it in your body? Because our bodies have a trauma memory to them. So that moment that we went through that trauma, whatever our body responded to. So maybe it was, you know, it was a heartbreak and it was right in your heart or maybe it was in your shoulders or your back or your head or your arm, whatever that was. And so your body will just kind of, you'll, you'll feel that tension there, which is so interesting. Yeah. And then you go ahead and you start the processing, which that means that you're looking at the light bar and you're holding the pulsers and you're in touch with the trauma. And then you literally just, your eyes are following this light bar back and forth. And it's a blue light on a bar going back and forth and you follow it with your eyes. Yep. With the vibrating, like one on the left hand vibrates and then the one on the right hand vibrates. And right. While you're imagining... The You're trauma, the it. picture of the of yeah, the one picture, mm-hmm. just zeroing in on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that when the light moves, what the significance of the of following, doing the eye movement is it is it connects to the it basically allows your brain then to bilaterally process it. So it moves it from the right to the left hemisphere of the brain. So you're finally digesting 
you know, that situation. So you're, you're following the light bar and then we stop and we say what you notice and you're, you're share what you notice, what came up. I'm feeling this, I'm thinking this. And then you do more processing. I'm feeling this, I'm thinking this. And you do more processing. I'm feeling this, I'm thinking this. And, and to the point where by the end of the processing, you're down to a zero. This is so incredible. Yeah. I did feel that. And the funny thing is just to expose yeah. myself to my listeners. I mean, yeah. you, you lived it with me just yeah, moments yeah. ago. But yeah, so we decided to go with something lighter and a heartbreak for me or uh, something I felt traumatic, something that was traumatic that happened in the last 10 years was I pitched a show, I sold a show to a network and it didn't get made. And when I found out it didn't get made, oh God, was that excruciating. That was a heartbreak for me and I didn't even... so. I thought, okay, you're like, you're, one. you're like, let's do this. It's a lighter one. It's not so dad related abandonment, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. It, it's just, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, it could go there, but I we'll know. see. Oh God. And I was like, <laughs> all right, let's do this one. Oh God. I was happy to do a 10, whatever. And so I'm imagining the thing. And the, the fascinating thing that happened was what I learned from the session mm-hmm. is as I was following the light and remembering the thing and then having these kind of like tangential thoughts about other things that bothered me because Mm-hmm. As a result of of not the show not getting made, like I'm not good enough. I'm an outsider. I'm never gonna be successful. Uh, I'm full of shame. Oh, people! Th- like, people are probably happy I, I I didn't succeed, or people were thinking I was gonna succeed, and now I'm so embarrassed. And mm. and then it made me realize I had you know I wanted this so bad, and I'm so devastated it didn't happen because it would have meant love from my father. Yeah. And he would have been, cause my dad loves when I'm on television. My dad loves when I'm making money. He like, cause it's, he thinks he's doing, he's living mm-hmm. through me. And then mm-hmm. that all of a sudden I have worth to him and I'm lovable. So for me, it was like, now I'm not lovable. Oh my God. I almost had my dad's love. Like, fuck, like this is the plan. I thought I had broken the code and fuck like, Oh, like all, all my worth and to get love from my father was wrapped up in this thing that didn't happen. And that's why, so it's so interesting. So for me, you know, you yeah. and I were talking about like, yeah, it's just like, you know, and maybe that's why I want to be successful or do anything. Maybe that's why I have this mm-hmm. podcast. Maybe that's why I've slept with so many men probably. I'm sure. Yes. Anyway, but like all <laughs> after like getting validated, getting love and all of it tying back to my father, just love me unconditionally. Love me, love mm-hmm. me, love me. Let me be enough. Just like accept me, love me. So that was so and then I did feel lighter at the end of it. I was like, oh, okay. Like we dealt with the success stuff with the mm-hmm. fail. No, I don't yeah, want to say fail. Your brain but like, took it through all these different places. Yeah. You process all these different pockets of it. Yeah. Where it's like, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. It's yeah. okay. It wasn't, it wasn't the right time. It's all good. I'm already enough. I'm already worth You guys, I'm just telling you what I experienced right now. So you know, like where I began and where I stopped because that's why we did the session. So I could like, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Cause mm-hmm. thank God we did the session because mm-hmm. you know, and we literally just did it. So I'm like beaming and like still processing and everything. Uh, but yeah, on, on one level, it was like about work stuff and like feeling enough, feeling centered, mm-hmm. feeling grounded, feeling like I have worth and, and an identity without uh, external, like needing external validation from like being on television or making a lot of whatever and having like an identity because I did this, so I'm allowed to be lovable. So I kind of worked, that, that felt nice. I got relief mm-hmm. on that end, but then it also tied into like, yeah, the dad stuff where it's like, again, I'm a, I'm lovable, I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. Whether my dad... Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's... And it that's so fast. Not that there's yeah. tons more work for me to do. Yeah. But, yeah, now I'm addicted to EMDR. <laughs> it's yeah. my new addiction. Yeah. And thank you for giving me this session. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, beautiful. And, and I'm glad, and I'm glad people can now 
understand mm-hmm. what we're talking about with like, what the hell is that? So EMDR, like, oh, there's a blue mm-hmm. light. Okay, you follow it with your eyes and now what it's doing, like yeah, in your brain and it's like you're digesting. digesting. You're digesting that situation. You're flipping that negative belief. Yeah, this is like EMDR explanation for dum-dums. And uh, I'm the dum-dum and I <laughs> no. love it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes like I always tell people I need it like explained. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. slow, like oh, your spoon yeah. feeding me the info. But Totally. So you learn about this. You're seeing mm-hmm. that people... Are, yeah. are like healing very quickly. Yeah. And then what's next for you on this, like this after this discovery of EMDR and like, wow, this is like helpful. Yeah. Because of course they're probably on so many drugs because you don't want to, how else do you deal with, dra- with trauma totally. without self-medicating? Oh, yeah. Jeez. You're just, you're just numbing. Yeah. You're I just love that. numbing your pain. Yeah. You're, that's all it is. I mean, any addiction, it's like there's at the root of, I think all addiction, there's, there's shame, there's pain and oh my God. you're just not, you're just numbing. Sex. It's not, doesn't make sex, a bad person. Sex, yeah. sex food, yep. cigarettes, alcohol, yep. shopping. speed, cocaine, shopping. What mm-hmm. else is there? Yeah. Uh, Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. You covered the big one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're yeah. seeing results. Yeah. Interning. Then mm-hmm. what? Oh gosh, um, I um, gosh, I mean, truly, actually, just in my own career path, I I ended up. I think I was at that point. I don't know if I was trained in it yet. I think I took a big. I took actually a big break. Oh, you uh, did? I did. I think I was like <laughs> for just as my own journey, but I was like burned out with grad school. Um, I was really excited about EMDR, but I was just. I think I just needed a break. And so I actually had a whole different career for a good chunk of time. Was that career? And were you burnt yeah. out because of witnessing so many people's trauma? I I think that, yeah, I think it was a combination of a, of a lot of things Yeah, where I just wanted, it was so intense and heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and I just needed something to be light. Um, and so, yeah, I did a, I did a whole... I did a whole nother career for a while and um, and then eventually came back to going, no, I really, I wanted to try working with, um, maybe I think it like just, I think, I, I think it was more working for an agency versus working in my own private practice. And to me, that was like all the difference of the world. So I kind of Again, de- deviated off my career path. Had a really cool career, Wait, and then what did, what did you do when you took the I break? Was, yeah, okay. So this is kind of hilarious. So yeah. I was, I think I was just burnout from grad school and all of the, you know, intensity of everything. And I was like, I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> so oh my I was god. Like, I was like, what is something that is just like easy and brainless? Because yeah. I needed to not be heavy anymore. Yeah. And I was like, lipstick. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I so I was actually a makeup artist. Oh really? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, I was a makeup artist for actually a really long time, and so I I always paint. I've painted and done art my whole life. I minored in art. Um, I went to even an art school when I was in college yeah. um, in Italy, which was amazing. Oh my god, what school? But I it was Lorenzo de, Lorenzo de Medici. Okay, um, it was in Florence, and it was beautiful. But I love painting. Point yeah. is, like, I love painting. Yeah. 
And so at that time, I was like, what's just a creative job that's like easily and brainless? And I'm like, lipstick. I was always like the friend in high school. (laughs) I was always a friend in high school that did like my friend's makeup. And so I was like, that sounds great. Make it as basic. (laughs) And it was so funny because I, I mean, it ended up turning into a really beautiful like business career for me. Really? Were you doing yeah. on, on sets or photo yeah. shoots? Or? Yep. Yeah. I was. I did all that. But I. I mean, I started just basically like working at a makeup counter, and then that company that I, you know, I ended up being like a, a Southern California, like a manager for Southern California for all these different department stores for that brand, and then I had my own company doing yeah print and. Yeah. Um, like, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, print and a lot of like bridal makeup and yeah. it was a blast. It was so fun. Oh it was just God. such a beautiful, it was such a really, I mean, it was a really fun career, but I got to a point after getting that big break and that I was like, I love, I mean, I just knew, I just was like, I think it was probably right when I was 30 and I was like, you know, I really want to do... I mean, I love the, I still love the creative expression of that, but I wanted to, I love sitting with people and helping them um, heal. And so I was like, that just felt a little bit more meaningful to me ultimately. And so I quit that career and went back in to finish up all my hours and finally got trained at EMDR. And yeah. um, How many hours did you need to train? I did do 3,000. 3,000 hours where? With who? You do it for for the state of California. You do all these different, there's all these different requirements for hours. And so... Hours for what? For... To be licensed. To to be be a licensed marriage and family therapist, you have to do 3,000 hours of intern, uh, like of of counseling. Of counseling. Mm -hmm. And there's certain places you go to where you so you're like... Yeah. So I worked at like a different center at that time. And I had, you know, done the previous center at the drug and alcohol, but, and then, yeah. And so then I went back into it and at that point it was really more of like an, uh, it was a group, but it was a private, really more of like a private practice. For EMDR? Um, no, just as a, as a counselor. And then I got specifically trained in EMDR. Where did you go to do that? Where did you find um, the place? I think it was Emdria, um, but it was just like a, you know, like we have to do continuing education units. So I, I, um. I did it, you know, I got, I got trained in it. And How many hours do you need of that? I can't remember. This is a detailed a story of your hundred. life. Yeah. A couple hundred? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've been doing, I've done, gosh, I mean, so mm. that was about eight, I think eight years ago now. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah. And then, and then once I was in the right, I think maybe being a little bit older and having, um, really going, okay, this is really what I do want to do and working with the population and getting trained in that. Then it was just like, I absolutely love, I mean, I just love what I do. You do? I love it. Are you an empath? I totally am. You totally are. <laughs> How do you shake off when you deal with so many people's yeah. things? Because you'd have to be an empath to want to do this in a real yeah. way. I feel that from you, but then yeah. also like to love what you do, but also, uh, yeah, when yeah, you get the home. Boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. yeah. Boundaries and self-care, I think, like, you know. Like, show, what, tell me I what think that it's, is. I mean, I think for, I'm sure a lot of counselors feel this way. It's like in the beginning, I think you do take home your client's stuff, you know. Like how? Um, like you're thinking about it or yeah, you feel the totally. energy of it? Yes, yeah, it's heavy and you're hurting. And I think maybe through... I'm sure, again, most counselors feel this way, but I, for me, it was like there was definitely a growing process for me of learning like this is like I can help them in here. Like this is this, this I can do all this in here and the rest I can't I can't help them out. Like what's what's the capacity that I can help and then 
letting the rest go and and needing to, like in order for me to be, I mean, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And so if it's like, if I want to be truly, this is like a marathon, not a sprint, I have to be really clear with my boundaries and my self-care practices so that I'm always filled up because it's like, you're always pouring out. So you always have to really fill up. And so I think my self-care um, practices are, are just everything. What are your self-care? Are they Epsom salt baths, eating? Yeah, right? I think I think for me, I'm like truly left to myself, I'd be a straight hermit, you know? Me too. Yes. Yeah. Like put me in a cabin in the woods, you know, and I'd be a hermit. So I think for me, I have day, you know, where I'm just not, I'm not meeting with anyone. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just really by myself and I really recharge as an introvert I really recharge with alone time and being in nature um reading um love yoga of course I love my Epsom salts baths yeah Yeah, but it's just kind of getting that space and like refueling or there's some just incredible women in my life and just those really rich friendships that are just really give back both ways that are safe people for me and all those things yeah yeah well then are you in a relationship right now no, I know we're going to talk. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. But uh, but you have a kid. None yes. of my business. We don't have to talk yeah, about yeah, that either. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, I have a little boy. He's almost eight. Well, what were you? Have you done EMDR on yourself or gone to oh, an yeah. EMDR person for you? Oh yeah, oh, you I mean, have? oh yeah. I think before um, before I got trained in it, I was like, okay, before I wait, you know, invest all this time and energy, you know, into EMDR, like I gotta see if this works. And oh, so, of course, That's yeah, good. yeah. So I totally, yeah, I totally did, and it was so impactful and just a very very cool. Were you lighter on the trauma than my than me? Do you think? Yeah, not well, a competition. I mean, yeah, not, yeah, none of my business. Not a competition. <laughs> but like, did you have a lot of stuff you were working through? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I said, like I said, I've just never met a person that didn't have any. Yeah, and I don't think it's more. I don't think the person that has more trauma should feel ashamed by that yeah. again because life's not fair. We're all we're not all dealt the same deck. Yeah. So to judge who has more and who has less feels like... Ridiculous. What? Yeah. What's that all about me? Yeah. What am I doing that for? But yeah. yeah. What is the... Because we're talking about, you know, uh, obviously my dad's stuff lends yeah. itself to like how I act out and protect myself. Like what my... What do you, what would you call it? Uh, oh God, not coping mechanisms, but maybe uh, not fight or flight, survival mode. I have like a survival mode mm-hmm. kind of way of being where it's like, I always have to protect myself. I always have to be vigilant. Yeah. And what I've learned recently is like, oh, you... But there's certain people you don't have. You don't have to be vigilant anymore. It may have helped right. you a long time ago, but it right. it doesn't serve you now. In fact, it actually hurts you now because you're yeah. being vigilant with the wrong people. And when you and I were talking about uh, like me doing this work and continuing doing EMDR mm-hmm. after after this session today and having liked it so much, how much? And for anybody who chooses to do it and has a lot of trauma they want to work through or whatever trauma they want to work through, if you're in a partnership, if you're in a relationship, uh how much should you or do you have to share with your partner? Because I was telling you how like, I know myself, if my boyfriend doesn't respond, if I if I sat him down and went, I really want you to understand me. I had my EMDR session today and like, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I have to tell you, I'm, I can't be ashamed of my, because this is like exactly what I would say. Like I get mm-hmm. all full of myself, really into this work and really want to be understood and like respected, blah, blah, all this stuff. Because I bring so much ego into it. Like I, I have mm-hmm. good intentions. I think I'm learning a cool new thing. And then all of a sudden I'll put myself on this weird, like, like 
you need to respect me in the work I'm doing and I know all this stuff and I'm trying. So if you're mean to me about, about it, cause I've been weird with you cause of my trauma, like I'm justified and I'm doing the work and you better respond in a cool, loving way to me telling you about the experience mm-hmm. I just had today. Like I have, there's so many things working like, mm-hmm. but so I just get confused cause I think a lot of people nowadays, everything's so transparent. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, I want to be transparent. I, I got to show you me and be accepted. Do you have to, do I have to or should I tell whoever I'm dating all the work and everything that's going on? Or is it also okay to just like do the work and then just see how it changes my behavior and the quality of my relationships with him and my friends and mom mm-hmm. maybe? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think it's very uh, case by case and I don't think it's black or white either. I think there's times where it's cool it's a neat thing to kind of go okay I'm really raw and tender with this one and I'm gonna sit with it I'm gonna work through this with my therapist or whatever um and then you get to a point where you go okay I'm I'm there's some layers that have come off and I'm ready to share you know um so it's, it's, I just think it's so, it's, it's, I don't think it's black or, I don't think there's a, a, a black or white, there's no, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No solid. Yeah. It, no. Is, it is case by case, but it's just so weird because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I so. And it's also too, it's like, you know, everybody is, you know, gets their own feelings. So it's like, even though we might go, oh, I'm working through this trauma and, and this is, you know, I'm de-shaming. And so then. And so don't be mad at me. It's like, well, they might, they might still, you know, just allow them the space of like, okay, my stuff affected you that way. And you're right now you're mad at me. And, and just being like, okay, that you being mad at me doesn't diminish the fact that I can still have compassion for my own wounding. Oh, that's so a good like point. So it's like being able to hold space for yourself and also hold space for where they're at too. And just to explain to you guys, my listeners, the people out there, like, yeah, my behavior in relationships, mm-hmm. um, even if I think I'm the victim or I'm protecting myself and I feel very justified in my like lashing out or, or getting defensive, it hurts and offends the, the my boyfriend or mm-hmm. past boyfriends. And, uh, and so my behavior that is a result, it's my coping mechanism, it's, it's a result of my past trauma, it still hurts the other person. They don't deserve it. And so they do get mad and they do get defensive and upset themselves because it's not fair that they're treated a certain way just because I had a weird childhood or whatever. So it is a weird thing. I'm desperate to be understood and have a mm-hmm. cubby hole and feel at home with someone. But, and I, and I hear all my friends being like, they've got to be, you should know everything about your partner. They should know everything about you and that you should be best friends. And while I am best friends with my boyfriend, sometimes, I'm struggling with like, I want him to understand me, but he's never experienced the death and darkness mm-hmm. which I've experienced. So I get so, uh, to try to explain it to someone. And then I also have this controlling thing in me where I like, well, I want him to respond to it in this way. And if he doesn't, if he looks at me the wrong way or he's not cozy enough or he's not kind enough or he's, conf- I'll be disappointed, angry, pissed because I have, it's so conditional with me. Mm-hmm. And so this is just my situation. Maybe it speaks to somebody else who's going through similar things or has the same situation or whatever. So this is all like to me, you know, we talked about earlier, just like attachment. We it's talked just, about attachment dynamics. And I think, you know, what you're speaking to is just your attachment dynamic that's now showing up, 
you know? So what do you mean? Like, like my, I, I just don't know how to like share mm-hmm. all the work I'm doing because I know I'll end up getting mad because I know he won't understand the way I want and they'll make me feel distance from him and mad at him. And he'll be like, now what did I do? Mm-hmm. You lash out at me because your trauma. You go to work on your trauma. And if I don't make the right facial expression and I don't get it because <laughs> I didn't go through what you went through and I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't even know what you like. And now you're going to be mad at me because I didn't react the right way. Mm-hmm. But I do have a lot of like his mood is dictating my mood, right? That's yeah, that's my attachment. I'm yeah. codependent. Is that what's happening right now? Did yeah, we just? This is an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> did you just call out my codependence? I'm happy if you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's like if Woo, okay. if, he, if he's not if he's not okay with me, then like if, if I'm not okay with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So if he's mad, then like it's like um, you can't be okay until he's okay. You can't be at peace until he completely understands you. And so being understood is beautiful. Um, and absolutely you want to work towards that, which can be a process of really hearing and understanding each other. But I think to be able to hold space for your heart, that even if a person doesn't completely understand you or get you or is mad at you, that you can still be really contained and at peace within yourself, regardless of how they're maybe feeling at, you know, about you in that moment. And I can still... That's so beautiful. That's so what I'm striving for. And yeah. I can still love them and it's okay. Yeah. Because I did have an argument one time with him where I'm like, he called me religious because I pray sometimes, but yeah. I'm like, I am spiritual and I, <laughs> I, I talk to God in my universe. It's the, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, you don't get me. Like, you're calling me religious? Oh, I can't believe you just don't get me. Or mm. this is just a speaking to the bigger fact that you don't get me. And he's like, I don't care. Like, it's just like, he thinks I'm, if I talk to God, I'm religious, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, he just doesn't want to be fighting about things. That, and like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, do you get me? Do you like get me? Mm-hmm. But when I zoom out of a big fight and I can have a sense of humor about it and I get a little distance on it, that was like a week ago or whatever, mm-hmm. I can go, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what my point is here. Like, I don't, oh, here's what I was going to say. I don't even know if I get me. Yeah. And I don't even know if I really get him because he's like, I don't know if you get me. Like, yeah. So I don't know what the goal is, what it all means. So it's like two people cannot totally understand each other, but enjoy being together. I can stay self-contained and my happiness can come from me and my self-worth can come from Mm me. And you can get there by doing EMDR. (laughs) Yeah, it's one way. Yeah. Oh, God. God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, again, what you're talking about is just like your attachment, like your guy's attachment dance. And attachment dances, like everybody has a different attachment style and it's all the result of, of just different unique wounding. And so... Um, so he's perfect and secure and uh, I'm... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know I'm enough to... Yeah, yeah. I'm just teasing. He, but, could, he could have a little pleaser or avoider in him. I'm I not, really I hope know, he's enough. a pleaser. <laughs> he's still here. It's been nearly a year. I'm going to pray it's pleaser, but uh, he's a voider when it gets uh-huh. too intense for him. Right, sure. Rightfully so. But no, he seems very secure. Everybody yeah, seems yeah, to say yeah. secure. Yeah. And I'm a vastly... Great. Explain what... You, you said you love the attachment theories. Like, right, so yeah. What's about... Starting with what you think I am, which I am. Uh, yeah, vast Vacillator. What is this? Yeah. So, um, well, I'm going to use, there's a book I love called How We Love. And it's it's probably the easiest attachment book that I've found. It's just, it really easily breaks it down. So there, that specific book's terms for attachment styles are avoider, pleaser, vacillator, controller, and victim. And um, 
basically for someone that so like what attachment that the the I guess a quick rundown on attachment theory is that how this. we were um how so that book is called How We Love. So basically how we were loved, everybody in the world is whether they know it or not, is given an imprint of attachment style based off of who were their earliest caregivers. And we are all, whether again, whether you know it or not, we're acting out of our attachment style, how we show up and relate to another person. And what's, what's really interesting is that when we start dating, one attachment style then meets another attachment style and that particular couple has its own unique dance. So every couple has their own way of interacting with each other. I love that book because it really easily kind of, you can kind of self-diagnose and go, okay, oh, I'm a avoider or pleaser about whatever it is. And then it goes, then you can go and you can go, okay, like when a, when a vacillator, you know, is with an avoider, like this is exactly what that relationship dance looks like. Oh my God. And I've had so many people, including, you know, a past relationship. I remember the relationship I was in at the time when I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, did they videotape us? Like, how did you know? (laughs) What are you? I, I have a lot of pleaser in me. You do? Yeah. I have a lot of pleaser in me yeah we so should recovering <laughs> recovering recovering Reco- yeah do you think you're more secure now yeah no everybody's on a like to me like yeah like definitely so, yeah securely attached but everybody's on a spectrum yeah so to me it's like i think everybody is you know has a little bit i don't know if there's anyone that's like perfectly securely yeah. attached i mean sure there's probably there's some but but i think majority of people they're gonna be on a spectrum yeah. of you know where they where they hit and that's not a, that's again nothing to be shameful about it's just how we were related to how was that who how was the ex was he a he was avoider a, he was an avoid oh is that is brutal yeah yeah man is that brutal mm-hmm. is that, i I feel like that's always like you're tugging. You're like mm-hmm. over here. Oh, yeah. Nothing is enough. I'm gonna try. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a. And what's what does it mean to be a vacillator? Vacillator. Another word is like, um, Anxi- like it's an anxious attachment style. Yeah. And so with with vacillators, my heart goes out to them because you're you're someone that had. It really experienced secure connection. I did. Yep. And then you didn't. And then you did. And then you didn't. And then you did, and then you didn't. So it was almost kind of like teased with you. And so vacillators know what it's like to have real connection, and they also know what it's like to have it taken away. Yeah. So they're very sensitive to abandonment. And again, it's not their fault. I mean, this is just how, you know, I like to say it's like we're not, we're not, usually, majority of us, are, our wounds are not our faults. But now when we're adults, like we are responsible then to own our wounds. You know, it's like if someone came in and, you know, cut, cut our leg, it's like, okay, well, that wasn't my fault that that happened, but now we're bleeding out and we need, we're now responsible. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for this too gross or graphic. I love it. Now we're responsible to go, okay, like we got to, like, I, I got to get myself to the doctor and I got to bandage stuff and I got to, we're going to heal. I'm going to have to go to, you know, uh, physical therapy or whatever. And now yeah. it's like you, you own it and you you go, okay, I'm going to, I'm responsible now for my healing. And I think that when we all know our attachment styles and we can go, okay, let me look at how I'm shrinking. Cause it's not just with partners. It's also with friendships or yeah. uh, work relationships or whatnot. So how are we showing up and, in, in the healthiest, you know, you know, owning, okay. Seeing that, seeing that, seeing that naming it and then going, okay. And with the most loving compassion for where those wounds came from. And yeah. then, really working to heal them. 
Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I want more of your story. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, so going back to you, throwing it back to you. Sure. With the attachment. Oh, but you were, you were married and you, and you yes. feel like, but you do feel like being in a relationship is where, what, what did you refer to? Oh, where the most work, where the most growth comes from is in relationship? It's in relationship because yeah. I, before I had asked you, uh, I, I was like, oh, have you ever not liked uh, someone your friend is going to marry or blah, blah. Yeah. And, or, and even you told me about relationships because I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling not because I don't love the person I'm with or he doesn't love me, but because I really want to overcome this challenging behavior because I don't want to push him away or yeah. r- ruin such a good thing because of this like deeply rooted uh, behavior in me and uh, oh yeah but you're, you're talking about transformation buddies yeah. that's my little Tell like my, my term I just how I guess how I see it is that relationships yeah like my my kind of way of seeing it I guess is that um, relationships is really I like instead of naming it as like boyfriend girlfriend or you know husband wife whatever it's like looking at them is they're your transformation buddy because when we're alone like our attachment wounds are not exposed so we're like oh, I'm great I'm carefree I'm securely t- everything's fine yeah. I'm good yeah. and then when we get into these relationships and we get deeper and deeper into them and it's so vulnerable all of our I mean just all of our shadow just like woof here you go yeah. and it just is like I didn't even it's like it must be you it's like no this is just what the partnership brought out and it would have you know it's just what the partnership brought out in you of your attachment wounds, you know? So I look at it as, and I'm, and I hope for me, it, it, it takes the pressure off of like, this is my transformation buddy. So, um, it's a beautiful way then to look at, okay, what's coming up for me and I want to own it and heal and I can do the work to heal. And I, I heard it said by, I think it was Glennon, uh, Doyle Melton, but she said, you know, like, some relationships like um you know they they bloom it's like there's annuals and perennials of plants and there's some that just they're one time they bloom and you transform and then they don't you know you, you don't kind of continue to heal together and others they're perennials you know or I forget which one is what but they they bloom and they die and they bloom and they die and this this idea that who we needed at 20 is different than 30 is different than 40 and so that we're always constantly growing and healing as people. And so our relationships, they go through the same kind of changes of like, we transform, like they're great and then conflict comes up and we work together to transform and heal. And we go through some rock bottoms and then out of that, it's like a lot, you know, majority of times, like they rebloom again and you get this whole different space of deeper connection and connectedness and you go on and then different things come up and you change again. And, and so it's almost like, you know, people could be married to the same person, but have like five different marriages to that same person just because they've gone through the cycles of change and healing and growth. And I think as a result, you get this really, you know, people, couples that really do the work and they keep it healing and changing and evolving together. They have the most richest, beautiful partnerships as a result. And I think, you know, that's incredible. That's what I want. Totally. That is so what I want. And I feel like I'm going through a major growth spurt right now because it is so painful and there's so much suffering and there's so much good stuff but then so much suffering along with the good yeah. stuff because like I'm forced to like see myself mirrored exactly. in someone else's eyes and mm-hmm. but I remember I had had a joke a long time ago because I, I was like 
oh, I can always tell when I'm in love because I'm constantly angry and disappointed. Yeah. And that's really how I feel. Like, I'm either really happy with the person, but then just as quickly I can be like, because I'm looking for something bad and trying to protect myself or, yeah, like, I like... Yeah, that's your vacillator. That's my... Like, so... Mm. And I'm just so defensive and protective of myself. So it's a... Yeah, Yeah, that's your wound talking. I would like to... Mm -hmm. I love that idea of like, that's very hopeful to me. Yeah, Yeah. hopeful about... uh, having five different marriages with the same person that you hope you grow and... Yeah, you transform together. And you I heal together. And you say the more you love someone, the more your wounds come up. Yeah, the more vulnerable and deep it gets. It's like... The oh, more you might lash out depending oh, on yeah. your wound. The, the, then it's like your defense mechanism, your wounding, get, you get closer to it and it gets more freaked out or whatever, you know? And then yeah. it, it just comes out more, you know? So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Well, what about if everybody wants to... Like, is there anything I'm not asking you about this that I should be like some like perks mm. or things you've seen or like transformations? Well, no, I mean, we, I think again, I think it is really helpful to understand what your attachment style is. Everybody should just know. Yeah. I think yeah. it, I mean, I think it's so helpful. Yeah. So helpful to understand. You probably feel less out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you can name it and you go, oh, this is just my wound. Cause you're not you're not your wound, you know, like what? Just kidding. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> you know, like there's you and then there's the part, your wound that gets triggered and then does these behaviors, you know? Oh, I guess other people refer to that wound also as like the little girl version of you. Yeah, like your inner your, child. Your inner child mm-hmm. and like, yeah, okay, keep going. So yeah, I think when you can kind of see that difference and then there's a point where to kind of, because it's a way of almost like stepping back and seeing it for what it is and going, I'm just acting out in proportion to that wounding and to have compassion for yourself rather than beat yourself up for whatever behavior it is, whether it's withdrawal or excessive people pleasing or a vacillator protectiveness or more controlling for the controller or more victim for the victim, you know? So it's like you get, okay, you're just acting out of your wounding and then, then you, you know, it's just to have compassion for that wound. And so... It, that doesn't mean that that you know the person that you've impacted shouldn't feel their feelings. Like they have every right. You, you might have hurt them. You probably did. You know. So it's like to to give space for that, and at the same time, be very sensitive to your wounds, and um, and then then do some you know deeper work around it. You know, so that you're not. Um, and then they soften. I mean, they really will. Whether it's the wound or the other person, the wound, the wound, and then typically, as a result, the other person does too. So if if you're dealing deep into whatever again your attachment wounds are, and you've done EMDR work or SE work or what's SE work? Somatic experiencing, which I which I love. What's that? Um, do you yeah, practice? I'm gonna do you be no, yeah, no. I'm gonna. I, I it's, it's actually it's my it's on it's my next training. I'm gonna do. I love this. Please unpack yeah, that for me. Yeah. What is that? So it's it's a more. Is gosh, the, is I, this the motor one? Somebody told me about a motor thing as well. Oh, there's there's a lot. I think it's, go for this. Tell me, it's it's, it's it's still a form of um, somatic experiencing where you're kind of really more feeling into the different oh gosh I'm I what's somatic mean um so body body body, okay. body um emotional body connection so you're kind of leaning into like if you think of an experience you're leaning into the emotional aspects and going through all the kind of peaks and valleys emo, you know emotionally moving it out of your body yeah so that's a really powerful form of therapy too but but basically what you know I think when you know your attachment wounds and you'd really go into healing them, 
there you show up to the world you'll show up to the world differently you don't have to try you know what I mean you just you just do yeah so it just because you're not so quick to react you're not so quick to be defensive exactly you're not operating from your trauma exactly exactly and uh I think it's so interesting you say uh oh oh god what was I gonna say something about relationships blah 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 I'll remember it in a second but uh I might have to edit this part out if I'm just wrecking your brain. <laughs> okay. What was I going to say? Something. Oh. Hmm? Oh, I don't even know. That's okay. Um, hmm? Showing up to the world differently because you've resolved and healed those wounds. And how is this different from hypnotherapy? And I don't know. Have you done the Lacey Phillips work? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll start as far as like actual hypnotherapy. I, I don't know. I haven't. I've never done. I've never tried it myself. I don't know enough about actual hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, but I do know. Um, so uh, yeah, I can't. I can't totally sp- speak to the difference of it. But yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of different. I mean, there's just so like when I think of wellness or trauma work, there's there really is so many different, you know, it's like varieties of like what resonates and what really works with you to kind of, you know, to get the that healing that you yeah. need. Yeah. Now I really need to remember what I was gonna say. Oh God. Yeah, it's, time. Ay, ay, ay. I don't even know. Something about something. What were we talking about? I, I will cut this bit. Oh, out. attachment trauma. Attachment trauma. Oh God, I don't know. That particular partner dance and where it goes and I don't even know. Mm. I think for you though, um, Alexi, it's like with your specific attachment wounds, you you it's so beautiful because you're so like I mean I just see you and talking like you own it, you really own it. So now it's like you can take that and really do that work and 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 be free. You know, I mean, it is work. Don't get me wrong, but you work. can heal. You can heal, and you're you're gonna just feel more calm in your own body as a result, and you know, be able to. It, it, you won't be as uh, uh, reactive to whatever the the trigger is around you. You know, how many sessions does it normally take a person with severe? Let's uh, at my level, whatever it is, of daddy issues, abandonment, fear. Uh, yeah, all these things. Yeah, it's kind of. I don't see. We, oh, yeah. This is what I was gonna oh, say. Oh yeah, go for it. When you're, I thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was so lovely that you're saying, "Don't beat yourself up if the other yeah. person is upset because they have yeah. a right to feel upset oh, yeah. after your behavior uh, affects them." I definitely have a tendency of like, um, I don't know if this is a control sure. thing, but or, but I feel the shame of my. I know I was in the wrong. I know. I mean, I don't even want to say that, but. Whatever. I know that I did something. Yeah. It's on me. I, yeah, I can't yeah. put the blame on the other person. And then I feel bad about it, but I also go, I don't even know how to move forward because I'm afraid they're going to be mad at me forever. And then I feel so shameful. Oh. I want to like just be like, okay, let's break up then. Let's just break mm-hmm. up. And then it's a weird thing where I'm basically asking for validation because then I put it on them to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just want to hide because... And like ice them out because yeah. so, so they can miss me, but also because I'm so filled with shame, yeah. or I can't stop talking about what I did. And are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Because that's, ma- that's your vacillator. Vacillator, as opposed to like. And then when I talk to my, I'll say partner. I never usually say partner. But yeah, boyfriend. When I say to my, when I talk to yeah. my boyfriend, he's like, just move forward, just be positive. But then I go, it feels so bizarre to just move forward after I know we just had a fight and we, I had, and we, I lashed out and he reacted mm-hmm. and it feels so 
because I'm so self-aware and feel the need to talk, 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 and he just doesn't want to talk. He's like, sometimes talking make it, makes it worse mm. to keep hammering it in. He's mm. like, you know what happened? You know what not to do in the future? Stop asking if, you're, if I'm mad at you or blah, blah, blah. And like, just move forward. But I can't get out of the like, because I feel, I'd feel stupid like a fool. Like, because, you know, Lexi, you know very well, like he's mad at you and we just went through this thing. So to act happy and hold hands and walk down the street would be ridiculous. Mm. But really, that might, that's the thing to do, to just move forward. But it's, mm-hmm. it's so embarrassing to me or so. I think it hits you in such a deep way. Again, it, I think it, it taps into a lot of old trauma and it hits you in such a deep way where you, it's hard just to, to compartmentalize and move forward. And, but it's also, Sometimes it's sometimes sometimes it's um, it is good to go um, you know to go in and and have you heard of the Imago dialogue the getting the love you want by Harville Hendricks I read getting the love you want yeah and I remember Lacey telling me about it but refresh my memory and all my yeah, listeners that's a beautiful it's a it's so cool because it's um, it's basically talking about how our it, it's it's talking about how our sub like our early, again our our early child caregivers um, we have what's called like um, an imago match so our subconscious when we meet someone is attracted to like that fam- feels they feel familiar to us because they're like an accumulation of our early caregivers best and worst qualities basically oh really they're the best and worst qualities yeah, to, yes um and so this like it's it's our subconscious like recognizing how ah, do you feel familiar to me but um there's so much to that book but the imago dialogue is really interesting as far as giving a template to do to do deeper conversation um to really be understood and heard and communicate on a deeper level in relationship. So practicing the Imago dialogue is huge. Um, what is I do know, I'm like, I'm, I'm in San Diego, so I do know of a therapist down there who does a two-day couples workshop all on Imago that I've heard incredible things about. I've sent couples to her. You have? Yes. Um, so I think that that would, you know, that's a really cool tool then to, you know, wherever you're at in your partnership, just to improve, or if you're whatever, you know, to go to something like that and learn how to really, um, really communicate well, you know, just like really communicate, lower your defensive, really be seen, really be heard and communicate on that level. I think that's just, that's just, you know, good, good relationship. What, you is, know? what is Imago? And I feel like already terrified yeah. because, because uh, I feel like I'm with a person and most men in general would be like, I don't want to do that. You know, like I would like, yeah, I just feel, especially dating someone British where that's a whole culturally, like it's a cultural difference of like Americans want to talk, mm. talk, talk and feel, feel, feel and blah, blah. So I already feel tentative because I know he like wouldn't you know, want to go to couples. And we're yeah. too early and do the and it even makes me go, oh God, I, why am I? How long have you been dating? Almost a year. I don't think that's too early. I know. I I don't feel scared to bring it up now, but it's also like part of me is like, oh, why do I have to be so fucked up that I need this? But I no, know no, I that's do. Just not like um, I think that there's so much. I and I hate this. I feel like everyone like when someone has a problem in their relationship, there's so much shame and oh my gosh. What you know? Those that person looks like a perfect couple. That person's like a couple. It's like, well, first of all, you have no idea where they're at in their cycles. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because like they will have stuff that comes up and rock bottoms. They've never met a couple. Yeah, that have never gone through any heart. Like that is just that is just 
not, that's just fairy tale. Yeah. So when you kind of just do shame that like, you know, people can be great people and it's to normalize that there's conflict in relationships. Oh, to normalize just, there's conflict. Yes, yeah. That's just normal. It doesn't make everybody, every single couple has an attachment dance. Whether they know it or not, they do. Yeah, it's interesting because I I've said this or I've said like, mm-hmm. oh, we're we're in a couple, mm-hmm. fights are going to happen. Yeah. But I guess the goal is for them not to happen when there's no real problem. Yeah, so that's your vacillator stuff still. So like, and the, yeah, I problem, mean, it might be something where... From the wound where I lash out based on yeah, fear and nothing, there's no real problem. Abandonment, your own trauma, yeah, totally. So it might be neat just to start with doing your own you know, working through those old, those old wounds right now so yeah. you're less reactive and then just... And then pop in the, uh, hey, I want to do couples counseling. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. could do that. I would feel comfortable. And then walk through that and then uh, maybe he'll feel calmer after I'm not lashing out on a weekly oh, basis. Yeah. He'll be less on edge and panic that I'm going to turn on him at any moment if he says Aww. the wrong thing. Poor guy. I yeah. know. Oh, poor guy, right? For both of you. I know. I, I know. I even yeah. said that I'm like... Wow, I'm I'm so exhausted too. Fighting is exhausting, and yeah. for me and for it's like I'm so tired. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm yeah. So this is a big growth spurt. But uh, mm-hmm. um, how many sessions? Because you said it works so quickly. So like going back to like me saying like oh, oh yeah, let's say I'm sure I know for a fact a lot of my listeners, male, female, whatever sexual orientation, ethnicity, whatever, daddy issues, abandonment issues. For my level of issues, and because if my listeners relate to me, oh, they're always I like, oh, I'm going to... So like, yeah, they, how many sessions? They vibe with me because they're like, I feel the same way. Like, see, so for this level of trauma, let's say, for me and my listeners, how many sessions off the top of your head does it take? A lifetime or like no, 10? No. Yeah, it's so hard because it's like, sometimes we don't know until we kind of like get in there. Or it's yeah. like, we're like... Get in know? there. Stay out. Yeah. <laughs> Too much is in there. Yeah. You know, like just like to start because like it like for... Um, it does work really, really quickly. Like as what does far that mean? as like quickly, how quick? Right like, then, immediately like for you know, like for a single incident trauma. I mean, that's. I mean, sometimes it's honestly just one session, maybe wow. one to three. Yeah. Um, but typically it's just it, it. It honestly just works really quickly. Now, it does. There's different layers to it, so. I mean, I have, I've had clients that come to me which is like, okay, they just want to work, target like their big traumas. That's all they want, you know? And then others that work together um, and like they go, okay, let's do this one. It's like really kind of slowly integrated through their, their process. Um, so I guess it's just how much of it you want. Like it's just how much of it you want. Um, it's just I can't. I can't even give like an answer because it's like I don't. It's so individual. It is so. It must, has to be so individual. It's of course, so individual. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it's not like okay. For example, let's say if you have like al- al- alcoholic mom, you're not doing I do. EMDR for like every single time that a, an event happened. Yeah. That's more of like you kind of do. Um, you can kind of lump it together as far as like an like a generalized image versus like going through every single little specific time. Yeah, that's so interesting because I, uh, I I've been having talk therapy with my mom yeah. recently because I had a falling out with my mom and her husband. I was and all this and all my old time. I was like, you did. The, I was like, you fucked up when I was little. And this is like to my mom about because yeah. I was doing all Lacey Lacey yeah, Phillips yeah, yeah. work and yeah, him, and so. 
and we were in talk therapy together and now we're now we're good but and my therapist was like you stop blaming her you yeah. know whatever it's not, not help doesn't help her doesn't help you and my mom and I had this lovely conversation where she went you know just like you're growing and you're working through your stuff I am too and I have been too yeah and my mom and I are in a really good place now and she has such great intentions and she loves me and I love her and she sends me Abraham Hicks yeah. videos I don't know if you listen to Abraham yeah. Hicks uh-uh. do you ever oh yeah. it's so spiritual yeah, yeah. sweet helpful things and uh it's a bit bizarre because she channels somebody. Okay. It's like a channeling thing. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. kooky, but I'm into it. Yeah. But uh, so I like the idea of EMDR because I can be, I can actively be working on like, you know, my mom was an alcoholic. I was hit by my mm-hmm. mom and my dad and dragged around with my hair and mom, whatever, horrible things. I'm just putting it out there, saying all this stuff. And I can forgive my mom in the now because we're good now, but I can like, do yeah. myself the service of digesting what happened back right. in the day right. when she wasn't her best self and she was doing right. the best she could. But I don't have right. to be like, fuck you. I'm working through my trauma. You really fucked up. <laughs> like in 2019, I don't have to be saying that over coffee with her right. at some d- diner or whatever. Like right. I can be like, yeah, I'm taking care of me and she's taking care of her, right. doing our work on ourselves so we can suffer less internally in our own time and in our relationships and then just be kind in the now. But yeah. so that's kind of nice. So yeah, yeah. I like. I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I'm very excited about EMDR. But the, my my long long winded point is having just experienced this EMDR session with you makes me hopeful. Yeah, makes me feel calmer right now. Makes me feel like I can get a handle on my behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's all so I really. Cool. That's all I really want right now. I want. Totally. I want hope, and I want. I want to do the work, and I want. I do just like you said before, like. I do want to make a commitment to myself and to my person I'm with and, yeah. and to people in my life, but really to myself to like, Absolutely. to just, uh, yeah, work yeah. through my trauma, digest that trauma, mm-hmm. make it have a better brain scan. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I haven't had a brain scan, but I'm just saying the before yeah, and yeah, after, I want yeah. the after to be much better. And, yeah. uh, if I did have one and, uh, yeah, I just want it to be nice because it doesn't have to be so hard because it's no. so hard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. Good for you. Where can we find you? Um, I'm on uh, Instagram, just J, the letters J N, the word counseling, and then my website, jncounseling.com. J N, J is in joy, N is in Nancy, even though your name's Janelle. Your name is Janelle Nelson. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. I don't know why I'm like coming up with other ways. You're yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> Joy Nancy. No, that's not her name. Janelle Nelson. So J. Yeah. J as in Janelle, uh-huh. N as in Nelson. Yep. What's yep. her counseling? Counseling. Yeah. So dot on Instagram, com. Facebook, and then yeah, and then the web. Yeah. And I'm down in Carlsbad in uh, North County, San Diego. You're in Carlsbad, North Care and, and North County, San Diego. Yep. Not pronounced Santiago. Yeah. San Diego. <laughs> oh my God. Well, God. And then and for yeah. for people who aren't down there. Yeah. What, what the hell are they your... going to do? What are we going to yeah. do without you? Yeah, yeah. No, I would probably just do... Run, don't um, walk to Janelle, by the way, because she is so like... I feel like you like spiritually took my hand like and just walked uh-huh. through it. You're so gentle. Yeah, thank So you. gentle. And all of a sudden, I'm like weeping and crying oh, and tearing yeah. up, telling you all my in, like horrible trauma. Yeah. And, like, I just met oh, you today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank Truly, you. Thank you. My honor. So... Yeah. If anybody can get down to you and make the drive, yeah. if, if you if you can if you fly into wherever you are, if you can get to Janelle, yeah. it ha- EMDR does have to be done in person. It has to be done um, in person. But um, yeah, I um, I guess the best would probably be Psychology Today. Oh, to find a referral. To find a referral, I would go on to Psychology Today, and then you can search EMDR therapists, and then. 
you know, when it comes to therapist shopping, I mean, it's it's seriously like dating. So you just got to go is. and kind of shop and see who you really just connect with and you feel safe with and just kind of, yep. And you do this for Lacey, right? Yeah. Well, I did that's like the Cure series for her. Well, and she's had uh, sessions with you before. Maybe that's Yeah, private. I showed her. But yeah, she, she but told she me found that. the EMDR therapist up in, I think, Mary, like... Um, where where is she, um, Mariposa? Mariposa. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but and she's because it pairs so beautifully with her work. Yeah, she does all you know, like going into what she does. Like it's not full hypnosis; it's like semi hypnosis, where you're kind of going into this like meditative state and reprogramming these incidences. So it pairs really beautifully, you know, with her work. I really like the being in person with you and following the light and moving my eyeballs and having me connected yeah, to my brain sure. and yep. feeling the digestion and actually feeling the power lift and the, my mood change, my body get lighter. Like, yeah, I like that because I'm not by myself going, no disrespect to Lacey's work. I love, I've done it all. I've done it all, you guys. I've, I've, I've <laughs> yeah, had, I love I've, her I've, and I love her work. She's, it's so powerful. She's been on my podcast multiple times. Yeah. I love it. But as a searcher and a person who's just, I'm trying to search and find all these things. I just have to say, I really like this because it feels like I, I get what's happening. There's a science yeah. to it. It's science, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Not that low Lacey's is as well. Yeah, Hypnotherapy absolutely. is also scientific, but, but I just feel, I do feel results. Yeah. And I'm not on my own going, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? I did yeah. feel that for a second, but I, I was able to check in with you and you're yeah. like, you can't do it wrong. You're doing it right. And like, yeah, and yeah you, were, you can't mess it up. And you were guiding yeah. me. So the in-person thing is a beautiful and important thing. Mm-hmm. Well, God, is there anything? I, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Yeah, I think we, I don't, yeah. We covered it? Yeah. Wake up. Are you, you're too, <laughs> I told her to get cozy. She's too cozy. Just kidding. But uh, yeah, no, it's my, my pleasure to come. And yeah. thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for talking to really, me. really cool. Like, yeah. Thank you for talking to my listeners. And thank you for, you, for like healing a bit of me today. Absolutely. Thank my, you. My pleasure. Thanks for opening up for sure. Well, bye. <laughs> bye.